Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. You're here because you want to learn about how to live a healthier life, how to live more sustainably, how to take your everyday actions and make them work for you and the planet. Sometimes it might feel like you've got this figured out and other times you probably feel lost. That's why I'm here. Together, we will learn how to live happier, healthier lives without the need to be perfect and always allowing space for a little cluelessness on this journey to living a more conscious life. Today on the podcast, I talk to Liz McDade. Liz teaches others how to craft a zero-waste life with sewing, crafting, and mending projects and zero-waste lifestyle tips all through her online shop, The No Trace Shop. Here we go. Whether you're following a plant-based diet and looking for high-quality, clean navel protein, maybe you're managing severe allergies, perhaps you're committed to eating food that's good for you and the planet. At Joy, they believe everyone has the right to take control of what they consume. After all, in a chaotic world, the way we nourish our bodies is one of the few things we do have power over. Joy was born from the shared goal of creating high-quality, delicious, and sustainable plant milk. Concentrates of these different plant-based milks Options like cashew or hemp are perfect for making a glass or using in a recipe. Get 10% off your order with code CONSCIOUSLYCARLY. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-L-Y-C-A-R-L-Y. CONSCIOUSLYCARLY for 10% off your order at Joy. Add some joy to your diet. The name of the podcast is Consciously Clueless with this idea of being like, sometimes I totally got it and sometimes I have no idea and all the things in between. Mm -hmm. So how are you feeling right now? I feel like I go between those two on a a pretty regular basis. I try to be pretty conscious in my day-to-day. I was just out of town this last weekend with some old friends and I was doing my best to follow my usual low waste. And there were a few moments where I was just caught off guard, unprepared, and then came home with plastic. It's like a never ending kind of battle against my life, battle against plastics and trash. So for the most part, I feel like I am pretty conscious. And then I have moments where I'm like, Oh, I screwed that up. But you know, (laughs) that's, I'm not about perfection. I feel like anyone who strives for perfection. It's just really hard in this culture that we live in. And there's only so much we can do as individuals. Yeah. So that's where I am somewhere in the middle, usually on the more conscious end, but not always. (laughs) I love that answer because literally a couple of the things you said all are perfect segues into what I want to ask you about. So I'm going to pick one and start, but there are so many questions because I, once I checked out your shop and your website, I genuinely think it's so cool what you're doing. And I would love to start at least a little bit about how did the No Trace Shop start? Where did that come from? Yes. I was just reflecting on that today. So I've always considered myself an environmentalist and Mm. worked to cut, I guess, since I was in my early like college years okay, and worked to cut waste in terms of CO2 emissions. So thinking about transportation, trying to ride my bike more, try not to jump on a plane, any, any opportunity thinking about those, that kind of. Then in 2016, I learned about the zero waste movement, folks who were able to fit a whole year's trash into a jar. And my mind was like, whoa, this is so cool. (laughs) I want to do that. (laughs) That's amazing. So that 2016 was when I started looking at our packaging waste more closely. 
And is is our your family's? Or... Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm married. I have two kids. Mine as a family, like a mom, a wife, and and at and as I was trying to cut down waste for our family, I realized that there were a few tools that we could really use to shop differently. So I started with the kitchen, thinking about all the food packaging waste. And I, I did tackle the bathroom too. But first I started with the kitchen. I realized there were tools that we needed and I couldn't really find them in my local stores or the ones that were in the grocery store. Like for example, a simple cloth drawstring, one that was available in our grocery store was made with synthetics. So it was essentially replacing one form of plastic for a different form of plastic. And so that's when I started making them for my own family and also realizing this would be a good resource for our community. Mm. And this is something that I should sell because other people could benefit from the, having tools that are truly sustainable and in, in the sense that right. at the very end of their life, they can be totally composted. They're not made from any kind of plastic, polyester, none of that. So at the end of so basically, it was 2017, I started making products and I started notraceshop.com in that year. And I started making just the first thing was just a simple drawstring bag to help people shop from bulk bins to put their produce in instead of plastic bags. And then I started making wax wraps, mm. so beeswax wraps and vegan wax wraps. And yeah, so that's when it all started it was 2017. And then it's the same, a little bit later, I started teaching other people how to make these for themselves. And that's where I've really shifted the pandemic, really shifted my energy, not necessarily just the pandemic, but that during that time, I started becoming more interested in helping, focusing more on DIY versus mass production of these products here in yeah. Santa Cruz, which is where I live. Okay. So it's really been since 2020 that I've been focused even more on helping people learn to make these things for themselves. I love that. So when you go to your website, and I'm sure people are going to check you out after this interview, for sure, we'll have all that in the show notes. But I love that when you go to your website, and I'm looking at like lunch and tote bags, and it's so much more interesting, right? When you like buy from people like you that are using fabrics, that are reusing things, that are making products sustainable, it's also just so much more fun. Like, yeah, it's also just on a pure yeah. like aesthetics level. I'm like, these are amazing. Look at this <laughs> green quilted cotton zipper pouch. Are you kidding me? Thank you. Yeah, it is more fun. I love making things. And so I'm always going to be making things. But I also really enjoy helping people make their own. Right now, I'm doing both. I still make things and sell things. But I also really help inspiring others. I gotta say, I probably get way more excited when someone shows me something that they made from one of my tutorials than about anything that I make. I'm always like so thrilled to see people getting creative on their own. You crafty before this? Because when you said that, I was like, oh, she must know how to sew. Because that would be my <laughs> first thought is I'll make one myself. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yes. I've always really liked working with my hands. Mm. And I, I got to say, I was not great with the sewing machine in 2016. So I definitely just worked at it. Right. And now I feel 
fairly skilled. I'm not making all my own clothes, but I have, I've made some clothes. I make tons of bags and things. But yeah, it's funny. I, my, I actually went to school. I have a PhD in clinical psychology and I was actually working in that world. I know it's crazy. And I started doing this on the side and I was like, this is, I feel like this is where I should be putting my energies somewhere in this more crafty, creative world. So actually, no trace picked up after I had been doing it just on the side for a couple of years. I left, I was doing research at a nonprofit research organization, and I left that position to do no trace full time. But I had always really liked working with my hands. I don't love being on a computer all day long. So I feel like I'm figuring out, I found a better balance for my own personal work. I'm still on my computer, but I'm also making things and filming tutorials and it's just a different, yeah, it's way less. So (laughs) was your work with psychology in anything related to environmentalism or? No, it was not at all. It was totally different. I was, I did work on actually on some extent, I did work on social media use for kids looking at how do we manage that? What are the impacts Mm -hmm. of that? And I was also working on some projects around teen pregnancy prevention and health behavior change. How do we help people? So really interesting stuff, but totally so different. So different. Yeah, it was really interesting work. And I loved the folks I worked with. And at the same time, I was like, I feel like my heart is telling me that maybe this is not where I'm supposed to be. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you can relate to this, but it sounds like that a little bit. Maybe I know that I... I had this experience going to school to be a advocate for survivors of sexual assault and dating violence and got my master's and did that work for a couple of years. Thanks. Thanks. But I also realized that you can be good at something, but it doesn't mean something's good for you. And that was really hard. But I was like, I think I'm good at this, but I don't think it's the best for me. And Mm -hmm. then I pivoted and it sounds, I wonder if you had that moment too, or I'm sure you're a hell of a researcher, but if, or if you weren't fully in it, or if you found something else that makes your heart sing, it can be difficult through that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely felt that way. Okay. I can do this. I know how to do this. I can, I was working with the small teams and I felt like I was Mm -hmm. a really helpful, important team member. And at the same time, I was like, I don't know that I have the passion to keep doing this. I don't know that I have the same drive that other folks in this field have. So maybe this isn't the field for me. Yeah, I definitely can relate to that. And yeah, I don't know that it wasn't, I don't know, I guess over time, it probably would have not been good for me. Over time, I probably would have, but I was still at the point where I was like, I could keep doing this for a while, or I could take a leap of faith and move in this other direction that just there's feels they're just like there feels like there's more energy here for me so yeah I'm 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 (laughs) wondering too if now I think it's a great pivot that you made but I'm wondering (laughs) because I know I've had this experience too that you you said you had your PhD Mm -hmm. in this were there people in your life that are like what are you doing oh yeah for sure. For the most part, people kept that to themselves, but it was like, you're, you're going to stop doing your PhD work. So, so like you are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, when I quit my job and was like, I'm going to build my business and be a content creator. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's and I, it still feels a little like my my partner is in academics, so he's a professor, and so I'm around these academic professor types a fair amount. And it's still <laughs> I teach sewing. I teach people how to sew. Yeah, yeah people are often like, "Oh, okay, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice." <laughs> but yeah, I try. People close to me totally got it, and uh, yeah. So you said that you've always thought of yourself as somewhat of a environmentalist in some way, shape or form. So where does that passion come from? Where does that kind of, is there an origin story that made you care or is it just something that feels like it's always been there? Yeah. It's hard to remember. Honestly, I feel Mm -hmm. like it must've happened in college and I can't remember, I can't pinpoint a moment, but in high school, I started identifying as a feminist. I started feeling a little bit of an activist. And then Mm -hmm. in college, that kind of expanded beyond just women's rights and thinking more broadly about the planet. Mm -hmm. I can't think of like, I wish I could, I had a specific time that it struck me. Yeah. In college, I started learning more about CO2 emissions and our own individual impact on climate change and global warming. And I became a vegetarian. And then it just grew from there. It's quite the domino effect, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of how I like to, when people ask me about how we live the way we live, I always tell, I like to encourage them, just start with one little thing. Don't, because things will snowball over time, but just pick one small change you can make. Like just take a couple of cloth bags to the grocery store and then soon you'll find yourself maybe in several months or a couple of years, you might find yourself like, oh, wow, look, my kitchen is almost totally unpackaged and almost totally plastic free. And yeah, definitely things, one thing kind of builds on onto the other. Yeah. It's easy to get into a little bit of a rabbit hole too, where you're just like, oh my gosh, and this, and this, and I have to deal with this. And sometimes mm-hmm. that can be overwhelming. Did you ever have that kind of, oh shit, I, I can't do it all. What do I do? Do you ever feel that yeah. with this the climate crisis? Somehow I haven't let myself get overwhelmed. I think maybe part of it is a little bit of denial, but I also know that it's as a person, there's only, there's only so much we can do. There's a lot we can do, but I also feel like, okay, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be anxious about things that are out of my control. And yeah, I'm just going to tackle what I can tackle has been my approach. Obviously, over time, I've been able to tackle more and more, which is awesome. But I just, yeah, I don't know why I haven't, I haven't gotten super overwhelmed. Some of my, my youngest daughter sometimes a little bit freaked out by climate change. And so I have to help her with her own anxieties about that. She's 12. And maybe that helps me let myself get too anxious because I don't want her to go through life worried. I want her to take action, obviously. And we definitely talk a lot about what we can do as individuals, as communities. But I also don't want her to feel, yeah, I just want to try to find a balance there. Is there, I think of my journey in adopting a more sustainable life. At the end of the day, I was really just worried about me and my habits because I'm a single person. I don't have any kids or anything. So I'm wondering what that was like, you having a family and thinking about low waste. I think for a lot of people that have kids, uh, you say low waste or sustainable living and they're like, impossible. How am I supposed to do that? Could you talk a little bit about (laughs) 
that side of it? Definitely. Yeah. It is way harder if you're not just one person. I can't control my, my oldest daughter's 14. I can't control what she does when she's out with her friends and she's getting boba tea. I'm like, please bring your container, bring your straw. And she's like, nah, I don't want to. So mm-hmm. I, that is out of my hands, but we talk a lot about it and we try to plan for it. I try mm-hmm. to have the tools that they right. might want when they're out in the world. I get them really involved in the meal planning and mm-hmm. what kind of foods they want to have. And try to make those things happen so they don't feel like they're being deprived or they're, they're going right. about something. But yeah, definitely. Like we talk a lot about it. We get involved. They get involved in what we are purchasing as a family. Um, it's easier when they're little, when they're really little, mm-hmm. they're, they're not making shopping decisions. They're not going down to the candy shop with friends. They're not. So there's just, it's a little bit easier, but yeah, as they get older, then they have to start making their own choices. And I try to make sure that they have the tools that they might want and that they have the information and they do, they definitely try, but yeah, I think their motivation isn't always as quite as high as mine. And I have to accept that, but I do have, if anyone who's listening is struggling with this. I do have a fair number of blog posts on the things that we've done as a family Mm -hmm. to avoid waste. I have some posts about what we do for Halloween, for example, low waste Halloween. We celebrate Christmas. And so I have a low waste advent calendar, a couple of posts about that. I don't think I've done one on, I might've done one on birthday parties. I can't remember, but we've had all these experiences as a family and thought about, try to figure out and plan. That's one of the main tools is to just plan and try to think ahead for what you might encounter. And if, you know, you're trying to avoid packaging waste, what could you possibly bring for your child to participate in something? It's the same thing if your child has like serious allergies or something, you're going to want to plan and have alternatives for them. So that's what we have done in the past. This podcast is supported by North. North's mission is to provide unique and innovative cannabis products to help bring peace, calm, and healthy alternatives to their consumers. All of their products have been meticulously designed and formulated by co-founders Brandon and Mike to ensure that their customers receive nothing but the highest quality. Currently, they offer three product lines, Vibes, a THC CBD seltzer, gummies, THC gummies, and fusions, a CBD wellness beverage. I'm a huge fan of the THC CBD seltzer. My current favorite flavor, blackberry mango. Use code CARLY15 to get 15% off your order at drinkthenorth.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-1-5, or hit the link in the show notes. Enjoy drinking the North. This podcast is supported by Who Gives a Crap. Who Gives a Crap is an eco-friendly toilet paper company that donates 50% of its profits to help ensure everyone has access to clean water and a toilet within our lifetime. Who Gives a Crap has donated almost 8 million U.S. dollars to nonprofit organizations who help provide clean water and toilets all over the world. Who Gives a Crap is delivered straight to your door with carbon neutral delivery. I love that it comes that way. I don't have to think about it. It's an automatic subscription, and I want you to try it. You can check out Who Gives a Crap and get $10 off your first order over $54 with the code CARLY10. That's C-A-R-L-Y-10, or check out the link in the show notes. 
I think that for better or for worse, we could probably, that's a, a topic for another podcast interview in and of itself, but sustainability and being eco-friendly and more conscious living is definitely trending. It's definitely mm-hmm. grown and that's pretty amazing. Have you seen any big shifts, even from what was it, 2016, you said to now, do you see a lot of differences in kind of the landscape that you're navigating? Yeah, definitely. There've been some really great advancements. When I first started shopping low waste, bringing my own bags, like I mentioned, it was really hard to find sustainable Mm. things to use, just simple bags. And now they're so easy to find. We have a refillery here in town. So you can get zero waste soap, face facial cleansers, like all kinds of they have this store, their name is Ethos, Ethos Santa Cruz. They probably have 60 different things in bulk that you can't nice. find at like a traditional grocery store. There was a little bit of a setback. You probably noticed this during the pandemic where a lot of the unpackaged products suddenly were back in packages. Yes. So when that happened, I was like, okay, I'm not going to starve my family. Like we're going we're to get... It was tough though. Yeah. It was yeah. tough to be in a habit and then to have... It felt like a regression. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we that were... was hard to navigate for me at least. Yeah, for sure. It felt like we were making progress. And then there was the big setback, which was absurd because we've got contact surfaces weren't actually transmitting COVID. And it was like, what are we doing? This is, but yeah, I feel as a state, like we're passing more laws. So I'm in California, we're passing more laws to, to ban single use plastic more and nothing can't think of anything off the top of my head, but there's been some really great legislation that's happening. So yeah, so I definitely see good progress, even though we had a little bit of a pandemic setback. I definitely see more and more sustainable options available to all of us. So that in refilleries, these shops where you can fill up your soap and your bathroom products and your kitchen things, that's been definitely... It feels like there's a lot more nowadays. So that's Mm -hmm. really great too. So what makes you think... or scratch that. Why do you think that going from shifting your focus in the business, going from just making the products to empowering others to have tutorials and do these DIY, why do you think that's lighting you up differently? What about that excites you? Yeah, it's interesting. I I had this really big order. Like I think it was right at the start of the pandemic where it was like, biggest order I've ever had, like 800 sandwich bags or something. And I was like, okay, this is going to be really interesting to fulfill. And I was able to, I have like people who help me. Yeah. But, but it just (laughs) felt like making something at that scale. It felt weird. I was like, I don't know who's buying these. I don't know if the person they were going into a subscription box. And I was like, I don't know if the person is really going to be excited about this. It just Mm. felt when you're producing at that scale, you have no idea like where your products are going, you know, how they're going to be received. If the people who get them are going to know what to do with them or compost them at the end of their life, all those things. It just made me think not everyone wants to DIY. And I totally appreciate that. But at the same time, like, I don't know how much I want to be mass producing things. It felt a little bit unsustainable to be contributing that. So yeah. And then people had been asking me to teach how to make the wax wraps that I, and that was super fun. So I think I was just getting a taste for, oh, it's really fun to help people learn. 
Yeah. And then at the same time, it feels weird. Like originally my vision for No Trace was like a small manufacturing business here in Santa Cruz. And then, like I said, I had that one really large order and I was like, I don't know if I really want to be doing. So I think those two things, like getting a little taste of what it was like to teach people. And then Mm -hmm. also the taste for this mass production just combined to make me think maybe I should spend more energy on this DIY side and do more workshops, online tutorials. And this was during the pandemic. So that order was like the start of the pandemic. And so then I decided I couldn't really do in-person workshops at the time. So I was like, I'm going to just create some of these online experiences for people. Yeah. They can do them at home. And now that things are opened up again, I'm able to do some in-person workshops again. So that's been really fun too. But yeah, so that just helped me focus some more energy towards online tutorials and building an online community. And yeah. That's what's been the big majority of my time now goes towards creating content for the online world. It's a wild world, isn't it? It is a wild world. Yeah. It's so amazing to be able to connect with people all over the globe. And that's really special. It's really, really great. Group. It's zero waste sewing and crafting community. If anybody listening wants to join a free Facebook group, but yeah, there's people in there from all over the world and they're just sharing what they're working on. And someone just shared, they started a database of all the zero waste sewing patterns that they've been able to find. Oh. Yeah, it's just a really, it's cool. It's like really great to connect with folks. There are a lot of resources on your website, which I really love that you have a hub for people. Can you share a little bit about some of the things you like making sure people have access to? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I have a resource page. So my whole website has it has a blog. And on there, I focus a lot on... So my everyone in my family is vegan, except me. <laughs> I oh, do, wow. That's not, yeah. you, that's not the normal <laughs> sentence. I know. I'm the holdout who does eat occasional cheese and eggs. Got it. Um, But so all of our meal plans are vegan meal plans. And so I have a section on my blog that is various like vegan meal plans, weekly meal plans that are also low waste so that these are things you can usually find unpackaged from bulk bins or produce. And then I also have a lot of DIY tutorials on there. So you can make some of the various things that I make and use in my daily life or some things that are. A lot of my tutorials are also for people who are crafty, who want to fight textile waste. So that's Mm. the sort of dark side of the whole like sewing community is that some folks just throw away fabric. It's insane to me. I've never been like that. Yeah. (laughs) But but just diving deeper into this world, I'm like, oh, wow, there's, there's probably a lot of folks with scraps and they need something useful to do with them. So there's a lot of tutorials all about like, how to keep your fabric scraps out of the waste, out of the landfill. I also talk about other textiles like clothing. Here in the U.S., we don't have great clothing recycling options, there, but there are options. So I talk about that on my website, not just donating to a thrift store because that right. is not always going to be resold, especially if there's any damage to your clothes. And I also have resources if you want to mend things. So I have some of those tutorials and videos as well. So if you're, um, if you have some of the DIY tutorials, right. Mm-hmm. And if someone's listening and they're like, 
that sounds interesting, but I'm not crafty at all. What is the level of knowledge you need for some of the projects you share with people? Yeah. So I try to really focus on beginner friendly projects. Some of my mending tutorials, you just need a needle and a thread and I will show you everything from there. So if you That's have, what I need. That I need you yeah. to hold my hand. Yes, I have that. I have that. And then I also have some, a lot of projects that involve a sewing machine, but have tutorials on mastering your sewing machine. So for folks who have one or like their mom gave them one or a lot of folks have, <laughs> yeah. they don't really know how to use it. So I I have some tutorials that'll help folks figure out how do how do I use this thing because it can be a little bit intimidating. Yeah, so it's definitely very much for the beginner. And then um like I said, I have a lot of fabric scrap tutorials that are for people who maybe craft a little bit more and they're still beginner friendly, but they're maybe a little less relevant to someone who's brand new to sewing who doesn't have right. a big pile of scraps to tackle. Yeah. I love that because it's intimidating. Not only, I think for a lot of people and for good reason, it's intimidating to think of living more sustainably and it gets even more intimidating potentially to DIY it. You're like, people are like, I'm totally fish out of water here, but I liked, I could tell, I didn't dive into any of your tutorials too far yet, but I I should, I can, I think (laughs) it's clear that I should, but I could just tell that it was approachable. And that is a really helpful thing because that means that people aren't going to just be like, I give up. I'm not doing this. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. And I totally appreciate that. Not everyone. I have a lot of friends. They are not interested in sewing. They don't want to make it themselves. They want to buy it from me. I am still selling things like that. And I'm happy to do that. I probably won't be selling things forever, but um, I'm super happy to support people right now in that way, too. And then if folks want to DIY it, yeah, I have, it's, I'm very much thinking about the beginner and yeah, trying to make it less overwhelming, but it's not for everyone and that's okay. Not everyone has to DIY everything on their own. That's, that's a lot to ask of someone who's not interested in that. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned in the beginning about how, when you were the origin story of No Trace is that you were trying to find drawstring bags or cotton bags or just something that wasn't made of just another form of plastic. So mm-hmm. what makes your bags sustainable? What if people are like, so what is it that, what does that mean that your bags are better? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, there's a couple things. I have recycled, I use recycled, basically upcycled cotton for some of my products. So these are like old sheets and things like that, that okay. people don't want anymore, basically. And I use organic cotton if i'm going to buy new fabric it's okay. or, it's got certified organic which is a much more sustainable form of cotton that uses way less water to grow and mm-hmm. certifications not just about the plant itself but what happens to the crop through the whole manufacturing process and how are the workers treated all of that i use organic cotton thread i don't use any polyester thread which is one of the go to the kind of go-to even thread. The thread. I didn't even think about yeah. that. I know. It's crazy. I don't understand this, but the go-to thread is a polyester thread. So it'll That's, never break down. It'll never break down. Yeah. It'll be in the landfill forever. And then I also, I'm not doing this as much anymore, but some bags that I, that I did find in the store had screen print, like screen printed images on them. 
that paint is a form of plastic. It'll never break down. So I actually created a paint. That's why I say I'm not doing this anymore because it's like, I can't do everything. But I made a latex-based paint that is just water and pure rubber latex, like liquid latex. So it'll actually comp... And then these all-natural pigments that I found from the shop on Etsy. So the paint will actually compost. It'll last for a while, many washes, and then eventually it'll wear away and it'll compost um, at home. But that's, so that's the other piece that I was doing was like my own compostable fabric paint. I want, I just wanted to find one. I was like, someone has to have this somewhere. I couldn't find it. And so then I went down all these crazy rabbit holes. Like, how do I create this paint myself? And then after a while, I was like, okay, I can't do everything. I need to just streamline my whole. I relate to that so, so much and can feel like game wreck game here on that yeah. energy of being like before putting too much thought like, oh I'll just do everything yeah, yeah I can yeah. do this and then getting into it and being like oh no what did I do yeah exactly I was like this is gonna be great I'll start silk screening too and yeah. I was like and then I was like oh my god this is I'm getting crazy here this is too much that's stuff. your but form yeah. of overwhelm right yeah. is wanting yeah, to do it that's all true. maybe craft overwhelm yes I have that yeah, I, have, I definitely have That's that. your way of wanting to solve all the issues is like create mm-hmm. all the solutions and not being mm-hmm. able to do them. That's yeah. your level. Yeah. But yeah, so like, so basically it's using all natural fibers in my bags and then the wax wraps. When I first started searching for those, the only ones that were available came with a little plastic film window. And I was like, what is this? Like, why are you selling wax wraps that have plastic to in the packaging? The purpose. This is crazy. <laughs> And so I so my pack obviously my packaging is totally plastic free it's just recycled paper. So yeah, so that's what I was doing that's what I am doing still in the things that I make and sell that so that they're more sustainable. So trying to think about where do I get my products from and then what's yeah. going to happen? Where do I get my raw materials from? What happens in my studio which is, a, is basically a zero waste studio and then what's going to happen to my products? at the very end of their life and what are they used for? What is their right. purpose? So that's how I try to create something in a more sustainable way. And that's a good lesson for everyone listening to, or a good reminder that it's more about than just what you're purchasing, but it's what you're going to do with that purchase. And we often forget that we're like, oh, I made a sustainable esque-ish yeah. purchase, but it's hard to think about, well, what am I going to do with that when I'm done? Where mm-hmm. does it go? And we've got to yeah. think more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, as a community, that's something that we're still, where I live locally, like there isn't a great, I so everything I make, I can compost at home in my own compost pile. But as a community, not everyone has access to compost. If you live in an apartment and already don't have any space for a little bin, and then our local compost doesn't take fabric, and we don't really have any other fabric recycling locally. And if that's in Santa Cruz, California, there's a lot of other places <laughs> in the country for sure that Absolutely. are not having this on the radar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's something I'm down the road when my kids are out of the house. It's something that I'm hoping to help our community figure out mm. some kind of textile recycling. But right now I'm like, I have too much on my plate. I can't do everything. But, Good boundary. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's something I think every community needs some better recycling options and better composting options as well. Or a composting option for a lot of places. Like we're up here and I'm in northern Minnesota in a small community and we're also talking about composting right now actually as a community and 
it's been happening for years and years, but might get some traction soon. So it's exciting to see that change. That's awesome. Yeah. We just, as a community, we just got curbside composting. Oh yeah. But it does not accept a lot of things that will compost. So like Mm. paper nap, no paper napkins, no like cotton fabric. It's very much Mm. just food waste basically. It's a good start. It's a great start. It's a great start, but yeah, we compost at home and we have forever. And so that it's, yeah, I I wish everyone had easy access to that. Definitely. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners that I haven't given you space to do so? Yeah, not, I think we've talked about everything with folks who want to learn to DIY my, I have my YouTube channel and then I have my website and that'll, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Yep. So if you don't like watching videos, I do have a fair number of blog posts, tutorials, although my weekly content is a video. So that's that's where folks can go if they want to learn. And if you want to shop, I have I do have some things on my website, not necessarily everything. I'm sure you you have resources, <laughs> too, for like other good sustainable options. But um, yeah, you can also shop from me on my website. And then if you want to connect, I like I mentioned, I have a, if you're on, if I know not everyone's on Facebook, but I do have a free Facebook community where we just talk about getting crafty in an eco-friendly way. So you could I join love me over there and share what you're working on, share your work in progress or learn, yes. see yes. what other folks are doing and see what you feel like tackling. Amazing. Thank you so much, Liz. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. This podcast is supported by Will's Vegan Store. Will's Vegan Store has been a vegan company at the front of vegan clothing and sustainable fashion since they launched in 2013 by their founder, Will Green. They produce the most beautiful, vegan, sustainably made shoes, clothing, and accessories. I have been obsessed with this brand for years now. They were one of the first vegan brands that I really made the switch to. It can be hard to thrift shoes, but I love knowing that if I'm going to purchase a pair of shoes from Will's Vegan Store, they are going to be ethically made, their workers are protected, they don't use plastic packaging, they're delivered in an environmentally friendly way. It's truly the most amazing company to support. So if you're ready to try them yourself, hit the link in the show notes so they know that I sent you.